1: Welcome to the NASCAR Hall of Fame, where we'll spend the next hour with four people honored in this great hall. Aside from our very own Dale Jarrett, we'll hang out with legendary crew chief Dale Inman, plus two members of the incoming class of 2018, Ray Evernham, and broadcasting icon Ken Squire. All that and more today on NASCAR America.
2: truck, change the right front power and they'll load and unload the truck, and I don't even know when the crew chief was developed where he didn't have to do no work. So many good things
3: have happened to us. We've been really, really fortunate. I mean, we have run awful here, John Oakley. Now we come here and win.
4: Our next U.S. member has done it with his passion and his voice, Ken Squire.
1: Did you have a feeling this might happen today? No. <laughs> no inkling at all. That this is coming. I, I must tell you, it feels pretty darn good. Ken Squire certainly joining us later. Marty Snyder alongside Hall of Famer Del Jarrett. Get used to that phrase. Hall of Famer Ray Everham, Hall of Famer Dale Inman, and Steve LaTarte. Somehow somehow they I mean let you say, and I in, Stevie. I don't know how that happened. I
4: just snuck in with all the Hall of Famers. <laughs> that was the ticket.
1: would you become in the back door, is that how we <laughs> how we made it happen? That's so how it uh
4: worked.
1: it is an honor to have you guys here. And I'll start with you, Mr. Inman. It is great to have you here. It's fun to hang out
2: with you at the racetrack all the time. But it's fun to have you in the setting as well. How you been doing? I think I've been doing pretty good. You know, we uh, I still go to most of the races, and that Mm -hmm. keeps me busy, and I don't get over the trips as easy as I used to, but uh, (laughs) I still try to make them all, and I still enjoy being at the racetrack and seeing the people. That's, That's a big part of why I do it.
1: I cannot wait to hear some stories from you because you have so many. We could fill a couple of shows with the stories that you have. Ray, great to see you as well. I understand big birthday this past weekend. I know the celebration was fun, correct? <laughs> yeah, so. I don't want to give you the number. No, I didn't, uh, I didn't mention yeah. the number if you'll yeah. notice that. I did not mention the number.
3: It's a, a big time celebration. There might have been a little uh, dancing, a little singing. Uh, Good. Drinking some of the product that Mr. Elliott supplied uh, mm-hmm. from nice. Dawsonville to yeah. uh the mm. festivities. But yeah, it was great to see a lot of old friends again.
1: And Dale, I know you're excited to hang out with these Hall of Famers as well. When you guys get together as a group, it is fun story time, isn't it?
5: Yeah, it really is. And we're talking about people that really made a difference in this sport. A couple of different eras, but they made a huge difference as they came along. And just, yeah... If they would really
1: tell us the truth, the
5: stories they could tell would be outstanding. I'm not sure we'll get all that. They'll
4: still be good, though. I don't
1: know if they still can tell the truth. Isn't there a statute of limitations?
4: No, the problem is when you tell the the truth in so many different versions, you (laughs) forgot the correct version. That's basically how I've been told.
1: Uh, It's certainly fun to hang out with you guys. Dale, I want to start with your 1967 season. What was it? Twenty-seven wins in 49 races you had to never races. never dream that, that <laughs> 48 was the case. Races. 48 <laughs> races well the stats <laughs> said 49 so but I mean you never could have dreamed that was going to be the case going into that season could you have
2: didn't dream of it and I still believe it's hard to believe you know but uh it's just uh something that we worked at and uh we built a new car in 67 and couldn't do much with it we had to rely back on the 66-year, that car that we built a year before, and it just kind of refused to lose, and uh, we just kept running with it, and, you know, 10 in a row, of course, me and Ray's been talking here, and it was a different era, but that's in the record book, and we'll take it. Wait, he mentioned Refuse to Lose. Did did he create that, or did no, you create no, Refuse to Lose? No, but he did
3: create that car, and you'll see it Sunday <laughs> at Darlington, and you'll see how cheated up it was. <laughs> <think> that's that <laughs> stories so I to hear he, about. He, he might yeah. have created a little more no, like yeah. something like a T-Rex thing.
4: Back ah, then. Yeah. Okay. okay. T-Rex, okay. you are taking us back. But that's, I think... Uh, what's so special for me being here, me being around the the people that are part of the hall, is I'm very fortunate to make a living in this sport, and because of the work that everyone here has put in. But I worked for you, Ray, for years. I'm not sure if everyone realizes that. So whether you like or don't like what I did, you can blame Ray. <laughs> but, but you talk about that T-Rex innovation. I think has always been a part of NASCAR. It is to this day. You and I have had some great stories, but it is. I mean, it's not you're too far off that, even through all the decades, innovation still wins races.
3: Well, I, and I think we, we were talking about that downstairs. Somebody asked, what would it be like if you had to race this guy today? Or, And it, it's like saying the greatest boxers are the greatest teams. There's no way of telling that, but the thing, the common theme that runs through that is that thing about innovation. You know, in Richard Petty and Dale Edmund's time, they, were, they used their tools and technology that was available to them better than everybody else. And I feel like Jeff and I did that in our time, and that's the one common theme I think through NASCAR champions is that the people use those tools as good or better than everybody else in their in their time. Yeah, Dale, I, I want to
5: ask you. Yeah, we we see different drivers come along, and and you talk about where Jeff Gordon could have been better, where Dale Earnhardt Sr. What maybe what his strengths were. You drove for the, the greatest driver of all time. I mean, he has the most wins. He's tied with championship. What, what were the strengths of, of Richard Petty? I mean, he wanted every type track. I know that. But but we never hear anybody talk about what it was that that made Richard so much better than everyone else. The car. I can answer for
4: him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I've been trained good. <laughs> <cheese>. we'll,
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll,
2: we'll get through this, but he's won 200 races, you know, and he yeah. said he'd won 400 without me. So <laughs> but, but to get through it uh he'd work you hard he'd make you work hard on the car but then sunday or saturday or thursday or ever when we run the race and he strapped that helmet it was his deal and he didn't think he could be beat and he didn't want to accept being beat and if he would took a little bit better of care of himself <laughs> yeah <laughs> he might have won more races but uh, he was just, he was so determined and the willpower that he had. And, uh, you know, it, I just couldn't describe it. And, of course, he, he got in a race car a lot of times when he shouldn't have. Yeah. And he thought he owed it to the people that come to see him race. So, and, so
1: we think of the king as this gentle guy signing every autograph that comes up to him. He was a different guy inside the race car is what you're saying.
2: He wasn't an animal. He, he was, he just... It was his when he got in that car, that was his place, and that's he took it over, and he was going to beat the people that he was supposed to beat and and there was times you know he we cut a tire down late in Augusta one time, and he was he had the flu, and uh, we didn't have radios then pete Pete Hamilton was down there with us, and Pete went to the window and he said, "Have Dale to tell me who I need to pay He didn't want to pay nobody extra, <laughs> but he wanted to get the ones he needed to. And that's the way we done it. But that was that was his will. He just and he, he was a pretty smart driver too. Yeah, did he do was he pretty hands on? I mean,
5: Ray, you worked with Jeff and I know that Jeff would tell you what to do and <laughs> that you, you made the car happen. But was Richard was he hands on I mean I know he had to work on the car, oh, but definitely when you got hand- to the track.
2: Definitely hands on in off season, what little off season we had, because he would cut his hands up and he wasn't used to working, but now he he could do some sleeping. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but when he had to work he could work and if I had to wake him up in the middle of the drive in the night to help drive home he could do that but I'd put him up against Rip, Rip Van Winkle sleeping <laughs> but that's a great point I mean you guys were
1: unlike Ray and Jeff you know they're they're flying back and forth to races you guys were driving where?
2: Everywhere? Even out to the west coast and Riverside uh, driving to and from the track? Once a while we'd see an airplane go over You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah we'd Well, we drove the race car. Me and Maurice drove the race car to Riverside, California for Lee. This is before Richard was old enough to drive. You drove the race car? The race car. Down the interstate? What, no interstate, son.
1: (laughs) 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 I I appreciate you calling me son, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, we, uh, yeah, we drove, but uh, there was a 500-mile race in uh, Trenton on Friday, and there was a 500-mile race in Riverside, California on Sunday, and we only had one truck and trailer and so the car had to get out there and Richard was supposed to Richard Maurice was supposed to take it and uh, Richard was out in the front yard trying to walk on his hands and said he hurt his shoulder and I'm still not sure about that (laughs) but I was the next guy up and we could spend two hours talking about that yeah exactly I mean
4: one of the coolest rides I ever had is we drove to Martinsville this spring and I got to ride with Dale and Richard and about half the stories can make air, but they were a pretty entertaining <laughs> story. But, Ray, I want to talk about, so everyone remembers you as Jeff Gordon's crew chief, but I remember you as Jeff Gordon's crew chief, my boss, but then as a car owner. So that transition, I mean, you were able to win the biggest races on top of the pit box, but then you backed it up by winning the biggest races as a car owner. What's that transition like? And how do you, when you look back on it, like how, what do you think of the two different roles?
3: We were talking about that downstairs too, Stephen, and, and it, um, it's a different feeling you know when you're a crew chief and you're on top of that box i lived for sunday i lived when that caution came out there's nothing that i've ever felt in my life that's more exhilarating than when that caution came out and you had to make a decision you know and i know they got all the computers and sim now we didn't have that back then it was a black <laughs> notebook right and uh and
4: bad handwriting
3: bad handwriting <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and a smart Alec tire guy. And, uh, uh, but, uh, but he's 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 the best tire guy i ever had uh-huh. best tire guy all ever. right uh-huh. and uh it's just a different feeling, and then as an owner, you know you you kind of stand back. It's like watching your children do really well in mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a ball game or golf or 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 something like that. It is a different feeling, and I always tell everybody I, I might have been the perfect example of the Peter Principle because I prom- I promoted myself to the level of incompetency. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just. Uh, Really happy with my career as a car owner, but just didn't enjoy it as much as being on that box.
4: Well, I know they, you know you have a lot of trophies, but I will say, and I'd like to put it on the record here, that while the trophies are impressive and the stats are impressive, there are a lot of people in the garage area currently because of Ray. And I think yeah. when I look back on it myself, Ray Everham, you worked with Kenny Francis. You know There are so many careers that you created in the garage area. I think that, when they always want to know what your legacy is, that's the one I'm going to push on people <laughs> like Ray because you really created opportunity For a small-town kid from Maine that couldn't read a tape measure, but you taught me how to read it and how to burn that extra half inch, right, when you're supposed to measure it the right way, that that crew chief measurement. Where are you going
5: to hold that tape? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Hey, how about going back even further than that? You were a driver before all of that started. So did did that give you an advantage? Because there's a number. You you think of Paul Wolf and and some others that are at Rodney Childress uh, that that drove also. Is that an advantage uh, as a crew chief? To, to know more of what the driver's talking about? I, th-
3: I think it is, and I think that the advantage comes from when, because you drove that and you tried, you have so much more respect for the men that can do it because you know how hard it is. Mm-hmm. right? So you know what they're feeling, and you know he's not making it up. You know he's feeling that because you felt it. And, I, and you, you're thinking, okay, I, I understand what he's saying. And I hear so many people say that have never driven a car, that they don't really believe what their driver's telling them or they don't respect that enough. And, and I think it gives you two advantages. You, you understand what he's feeling, but more so uh, every driver that I've worked with on that level I've had so much respect for it because I know they were doing something mm-hmm. that I just really wanted to do, but couldn't do it. Do you still have the fastest half lap at Wall Stadium ever? My pr- <laughs> that's my problem, Marty. I've got, the, I, I used to use up all my talent in about a half a lap. <laughs> the other half of the lap you don't want to hear about because the car was destroyed, right? <laughs> That was what some you, when you, somebody's going, you all right? Oh, yeah, you yeah, all right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, was, that was the other <laughs> yeah, half of the lap. So, hey, if you want to submit a question for our Hall of Famers today, make sure you hit us up on Twitter. Use the hashtag Ask a Legend. Plenty more to come on NASCAR America today. As you can tell, it's going to be a fun show. Our Hall of Fame crew chiefs will talk about their journey in NASCAR and some of their fondest memories. Plus, Steve Letart will conduct a crew chief debrief to talk about the many changes in NASCAR over the years. And we'll be joined by another Hall of Famer, Ken Squire, to discuss the upcoming weekend at Darlington.
4: NASCAR America is brought to you by new mobile one annual protection, proven protection for one full year.
1: Welcome back to NASCAR America, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. There's the famous 43 that Mr. Inman crew chiefed back in the day. I believe that was 64, you're telling me. Hey, just a reminder, our coverage of the throwback weekend from Darlington begins on Friday with Xfinity Series practice at noon Eastern right here on NBCSN. Earlier today, our Steve Latart appeared on Sirius XM NASCAR radio's The Morning Drive to discuss the mounting pressure teams are facing when it comes to making the playoffs.
4: The fun is gone. It's time to make the playoffs. You start in February with all these big dreams and hopes. The goal is to make the playoffs. For every race team, some would find it, you know, a great year to make the playoffs. Other teams would find it a disappointing year to miss. You know, everyone's goals aren't the same, but every team starts with this dream of making the playoffs. Well, with two weeks left until the field is set, I think reality is setting in for some teams.
1: Just a reminder, you can start your Wednesdays with us each week at 9 a.m. Eastern, NBC Sports and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio deliver all things NASCAR. Our NBC personalities join Mike Bagley and Pete Pasoni on the morning drive. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, Channel 90. And don't forget, you can send your questions in for our legends. Use us on Twitter. or Hit us up on Twitter, I should say. Use the hashtag Ask a Legend. In a moment, Ken Squire joins us here on NASCAR America. Welcome back to NASCAR America Live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And some big news from Hendrick Motorsports announced last night that Chase Elliott will be driving the number nine Chevrolet in 2018. Of course, his dad Bill made the number nine famous back in the day. Chase also winning an Xfinity Series championship in the number nine car. And William Byron will move over and pilot the number 24 car in his rookie campaign next year. Also, Liberty University announced they will be a sponsor on that car as well speaking of bill elliott he's going to be honored during the throwback weekend at darlington awesome bill from dawsonville is certainly a part of the fabric which has made the lady in black one of nascar's most iconic venues with more on how darlington raceway has thrived throughout the years here's hall of famer ken squire
6: Uh, pardon me are we nearing the playoffs not so quick there's a little event called the Southern 500 that we must address. Darlington Raceway is no common track, and her winner, no common driver. This is legends territory, where 40 brave hearts assemble. The sports first super speedway. The granddaddy, that's kind of an odd old egg. I mean, look at it. The gravel road trucker, that gangly guy from the sand hills, Harold Brazington, he graded this track himself. Townspeople thought he'd laid an egg until the stock car circus thundered into South Carolina and Johnny Mance survived a six-hour ordeal to christen the track too tough for any common lead-footed lion tamer to subdue. In the six decades since, she grew into a top-drawing tradition for the top-billed racers in any discipline. Pearson, Yarborough, Gordon, Earnhardt. You know their names because Darlington enhanced their fame. No better place to throw down the gauntlet than this throwback, Darlington. No better place to bid farewell to summer, Darlington. No better place to gear up championship momentum, In a day of better engineering, the fleet of Chevys, Toyotas, and Fords face no tougher test than this crucible. In a time of more fit drivers, no unfit winner will back into this victory lane. Here, muscle and bravery are a slam dance into the wall, a double down on scheming strategy, an event of such prestige that it's claimed its own holiday. A Labor Day tradition of Herculean proportion. There's no hyperbole, too grand for this little darling, and there's no better place for the heat of this moment, Darlington. Boy, can you put that certainly in
1: fantastic perspective? Thank you for that wonderful and well-written piece. Um Jeez. Has it always been the toughest race, the Southern 500 of the year?
6: Oh, yes, indeed. Ask any of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Even in the days you were covering it, huh? It just oh, makes it so tough.
6: Wonderful to be back to the place and, and have as much fun as we had last year. DJ, it's be fun.
1: as a driver, what makes it so tough? Uh, you know, the things that he explained about it and,
5: and that photo, you could see that it's so t- each end is so totally different. And the, the 500 miles added on top of that, it, there's a lot of asphalt there. But a lot, most of it's useless. You know, that, that's what makes it so difficult. Is just how little of that track and the the banking that you have that you can actually use, and and it's just the hardest work that you'll ever do. The most gratifying when you end up in that victory lane. But uh, it's just the hardest thing as a driver that that you'll ever do, and and uh, just makes it. So much fun, but a real challenge, especially for those drivers and teams looking to try to buy a way into the playoffs.
1: They're huge wins. Oh, go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry.
6: Well, over the years, the thing I kept hearing about was this was the one place, never mind the three segments, this was the one place where you never got that moment to take the breath. If you were driving, you drove all the time. There, there wasn't any place on that racetrack that was any different than any other. It took full attention, and you'd better behave to full attention.
1: And I think that's true for crews as well, right? I mean, this is a gratifying race to win because it is such a taxing day, taxing weekend. It's hot. There are you know, sometimes 12, 13 pit stops in the race. It's not an easy race as a crew member to win, is it, Ray?
3: and, And Darlington is one of those races that really proves how much of a team sport it takes to win and to win at Darlington because at Darlington, you have got to do your job as a crew chief making sure that car handles, because you're racing a long time there. And the the races used to be four and a half, five hours, you know, that Southern 500 and Big temperature change, lots of pit stops, couldn't make a mistake. When do you pit? There's guys, you'd be out there leading the race, and somebody short pit, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you'd be 10th. And and you, so you needed your driver, your crew, everybody to, to work together. If you won at Darlington, you could really go to Victory Lane and feel like you you participated in that win that day. Ken, when you've seen
5: all of these races, does it still amaze you, though, that we can have the, the side-by-side finishes that we do at the end of 500 miles that, that – that you could literally, with everything that these drivers go through, uh, we were talking about that, that it comes down to just a couple of inches uh, that settles over us. over and
6: over again. Yeah. and and uh, all the old reliables that keep talking about the good old days, you can't you can't get close to what's going on today. It's it's so tight, so competitive, and so many have a pretty good shot at it in the last few moments of that race. It's it's. Utterly unique, and, and what a great race for this Labor Day weekend. Just terrific.
1: Dale, of all the things you and the King did over the years, you only won this race one time. 50 years ago, yes. Yeah. The 500, yes, one time. But the
6: car we was
2: talking about earlier, we won the 400, the 500, and the 400. There you go. Oh, yeah. But so three in a row. We, we ain't hit much since then. But, <laughs> did, you, did you put wood in the door? Did you have wood in the door? Huh? Did you? No, we you? had no? we we had, uh, had nerf bars under. You did under the right front and one in front of the right rear and one in front of the. Did you put wood behind in the doors of your car? Oh well, yeah, I had to yeah
5: because yeah, it was all concrete. Course you had in three way? and four. When was it? was last? a guardrail right that that you leaned on. Yeah, and, and we, but it that. wasn't true. <laughs> yeah.
2: But but Dale, you was talking about not using uh, all the track. I was down there when they didn't use the bank. Yeah. They, well, they'd run the bottom. they yeah. run the bottom. And I think Parnelli Jones came came east in about 1956, and he wasn't using all the banking, but he would go and slide up and come down. Like we used to run the old national Fireground. You remember that? Yeah. And uh, he was using it like that. But uh, I think the first year I went down there was 1951, and they started uh, 75 cars. Three abreast,
1: and the stories were true of having to go into the infield and get tires to finish. the I race. didn't see that, but I'm
6: not. I'm not disputing it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to three abreast? That certainly added a moment need, or two we, at the that's start a great of great suggestion. Yeah, uh, you I think know, today I, I three don't abreast mean, would be not quite as interesting. It would, be, it would be a little more interesting. I don't know when that went
2: away, but and that was one of the first places when you set on the pole, you had the choice of inside or outside. It's yeah. used a lot now. But if you set on the pole, you always took the outside yeah. because uh, the start-finish line was where the backstretch is now. So you could get through one and two, but you wanted to be on that outside <laughs> when you went in three, <laughs> which is one now. And uh, so it, it, for that first lap, you wanted to be on that outside going into three.
5: Ken, you've all obviously parlayed this into a Hall of Fame career, but What was it that early on that you saw that you wanted to take your talents and be involved in stock car racing all up and down the the East Coast?
6: Just grew up uh, strange. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) And and from the very beginning, uh, there wasn't any other organized sport that was appealing. I mean, this was the one where what you fellows were talking about. You had to get a group together to make the thing happen. And then to come up with all of the mysticism that's in this magic place called Darlington, it, it really brings it all back home when you get over there to see that show.
1: 2018 class will be Hall of Fame, or the 2018 Hall of Fame class will be Grand Marshal. So have you guys practiced yeah. yet? Have you gotten together and worked <laughs> what on What do you got to do? You got to say, start your engines, right? Well, do we, we sing do that. it, or how does that well, work? Whatever you want to do, Ken. <laughs> I mean, it's really up to you. What do you want to do?
6: I would like to say, gentlemen, make them sing. Okay. Yeah, no. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, be sure. careful. you there. see I blew that. <laughs> you better be
1: careful there. <laughs> I, I want to ask you about the throwback weekend, Dale. How cool has it been to watch this over the last couple of years and well, how this has blossomed?
2: You know, it's been great, you know, and of course, uh, we had STP for 28 years as the primary sponsor, and uh, to see the car back in those colors, and uh, when we signed with STP in 1972, and Talking to Granditelli, I happened to be in the office in Chicago and one of the big talks on uh, was the color of the car that he wanted at Dayglo and Richard Richard City's ground. We had the pity blue on there. So and uh, to end the story there, I think they finally the Indy cars finally had some blue on them, too, so we finally overcome the day glow. <laughs> It is the perfect throwback. I mean, for, yeah. for, for the 43-team DJ, there couldn't be a better no. a better thing. No, it's a perfect thing for for
5: them. I want to ask you, you know, we saw in that piece, and you talked about Richard and how tough he was earlier on in in our first segment, that hit that he took to the inside wall, oh, yeah. uh, th- that was one of the most fierce crashes I'd ever seen. Did you? Were you almost afraid to go out there and see what you might find?
2: Me and Richie Bars got him out of the car. I mean, he's laying there upside down in the middle of the racetrack. They're still going by us on both sides. We're out there and a fireman comes up and sets off one of them fire extinguishers that the powder that takes yeah. oxygen out of there. I think Maurice about killed him. <laughs> and uh we got in the car with him and he's he's limp, he's knocked out and we turned him loose and it was hard to hold him. <laughs> And he groaned and you <laughs> knowed he was alive, and I'm serious, I thought he was gone and mm, and uh, of course, it dislocated his shoulder, and I think we missed six races and it was yeah it was it was tough, but he he seemed to think he was already knocked out from hitting the outside wall, so he would have been limp. I don't know whether that helped him or yeah, not, yeah. but he probably didn't embrace himself
1: that was no doubt a scary crash, but on the on the fun side of things. You get to call the race with with Ken and your dad once yeah. again. So I mean, what's that going to be like? Uh, so I, I mean, it,
5: I'm like a kid in a candy store in, in this type of situation. I mean, <laughs> for, for me to have this honor to to be with uh, two of who I consider the very sure. best at at doing the job over the years and and helping make the sport what it is. Uh, you know, I just kind of sit back and watch, and I have to kind of pay attention. I get kind of caught up into listening to the two <laughs> right. of them because I love to do that. Always have, and I find myself that. And when they Ask me a question, I have to be ready then, but sometimes I'm not. But it's <laughs> great, looking forward biggest to
6: it. The problem with that deal is, uh, for the old-timers, <laughs> like, funny. Yeah. The, the deal is, you've got them all known. You've known them all your life. Yep. Now you've got another whole set that are on, in them. Yeah. And, yeah. gee, can that throw you around, huh?
1: <laughs> Boy, it is fantastic to hear your voices call the race, and we we certainly look forward to that on Sunday evening. So, I know you're going to be there, and you're going to be excited as well because you won a couple of these races, Ray. So, your, your, your record of this racetrack with Jeff Gordon was just okay, I think.
3: Yeah, we, um, <laughs> we had a good record. And, and I'm proud of that because Darlington, to me, it, it is one of the, the most historic races because of, of the Southern 500. And we were able to win that four times in a in a row and yeah. uh, you know it sounds like we were great but I'm gonna tell you you've got to have a lot of things go your way if there wouldn't be for some other people having trouble once in a while and things like right. that we'd have, we'd have not had four of those in a row so uh, really proud of that and we were but we used up uh, used up a lot of wood till
1: uh, <laughs> we used to hey, stick what, wood what was used... the last year you used wood in the, in the side of the race car because oh gosh I think I was still and
3: I think it was 98 we won it but I mean he would get so mad but he kept Run, he'd run up against the fence and just tear the side of that car up and get the tires rubbing we had to pull him out so we just we just started sticking wood and you know we weren't the only ones doing it you'd stick wood in between the roll bar and the door and he'd go up there and hit that and it wouldn't crush the door in, but it it had boom, but it knocked the wind out of the driver if he hit it too hard. But that, I think that kept him off the fence a little uh, bit. I
5: didn't see it knocking
3: wind out. It made me <laughs> mad. I'd seen him hit the wall, and then we'd like, come hey, off hey. the corner,
5: and he was three car lengths ahead of me where he was, and he's run into the wall. I'm like, what the heck? You it was like you, a springboard. What you, good, you put
1: good, something besides wood in there, I know.
3: Well, and he you had to use a good piece of pine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you even knew what kind of wood it was. That's pretty impressive. Well, Ken, we're looking forward to seeing you Sunday. We can't wait
6: to yep. see you. I'm looking forward to it, let me tell you. This uh, is the one that brings it all home.
1: Well, that's, it's going to be great to have you around. We have this week Replace the Drivers meeting with the Crew Chief Debrief. Steve Hart's going to come back and maybe get a few secrets out of these guys. We'll see that next on NASCAR America.
6: NBCSN brings you three iconic races in one day. From F1
1: the is on
6: here. to IndyCar. Here we go and NASCAR. Don't miss a second of the action, Sunday on NBCSN.
1: If you watch our coverage this weekend from Darlington, keep an eye out for some classic cars, including Dale Earnhardt's Wrangler Pontiac from 1981, A.J. Foyt's Vabellin Oldsmobile from 1980, and Mark Martin's Folger Ford, who can forget that car, from 1990.
3: There are over
4: 700 people in the garage area on any given race day. This isn't just the best in the garage, it's deeper than that. So many great stories of perseverance of people that have overcome adversity.
2: Diagnosed with
3: type 1 diabetes at age 3.
4: They overcame a health scare with their new young daughter. The men and women in the garage area that basically make this sport happen.
1: Time to unveil this week's nominees for the pit crew All-Stars. Furniture Row Racing engine tuner Greg Holes is a Marine Corps veteran. One of Greg's favorite hobbies is actually mining for gold in the team's home state of Colorado. Jeff Kerr is the gas man for JTG Doherty Racing. Prior to his NASCAR career, Kerr was a football standout at East Carolina and also a member of the Cleveland Browns. Ray Wright is the pit crew coach at RCR, but also known for his charitable work. He founded Pit Stops for Hope, which provides food for children and helps to create a productive classroom environment. And just a reminder, we'll reveal the pit crew all-star team later this year at the Homestead Miami weekend. Now time for our pit crew debrief. Let's head over to Stevie.
4: Well, it's normally a driver's meeting, but we got rid of all those drivers, made it a little bit simpler here today. But we were just talking about standing here in front of the 72 Benny Parsons car from 73. We talked. This is the one, the historic one, right? That They knocked the right side door bars out in the middle of the race and everybody helped put it back together.
3: And went on and won the championship that day. And these cars, you know, to me, are still some of the best-looking cars. I love the old Fastback. these cars are made out of real sheet metal that came off of real cars, <laughs> not not the stamp stuff and carbon fiber stuff. That, you know, you guys actually built these out of, out, out of real bodies. Yeah, oh. man.
4: I mean, and that's it. We talked earlier in the show about innovation. So going to Darling to this weekend, we talked about the wood in the doors. Mm-hmm. That's something that was back when, you know, in the 90s and the 2000s, but in your era going to run the Southern 500, 500 miles at Darlington with the factory sheet metal, the factory cars. What are some of the unique things you had to do to take a street car and somehow make it last for 500 miles around the Lady in Black? Well, you know, I first went down there in
2: 1957, 51, like I said, but that's way before Richard drove. But then when he got into driving and, and Lee was getting a little bit older, they're still driving, and Lee would show Richard where he needed to be up close to that fence high on the bank. And Lee said, this is where you need to be, but I can't get there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Richard, we, uh, and the fence, the fence wasn't true either. I mean, right. you'd hit it a little section about four foot, then you'd miss it for about 10 foot and you'd hit it again if you was running a true arc. And uh, But we put nerfing bars in it and uh, I know one year down there, I, I took the, I don't know what year it was, but I split the fender and put some blue tape and covered where I split it, and before I made a pit stop on the right rear, I just turned it wrong side out and got the got the fender out of my way, you know, because you're going to hit the fence, and I mean, you you had to back in the day when it was guardrail.
4: Well, that reminds me of another story when we show up with <laughs> split fenders, but that's a whole different story for a whole other day. But yeah, yeah, there's, there's
2: another th- rule because
4: <laughs> of that. There's, there's another, there, actually, yeah. I would say there's a lot of rules because of yeah. this duo right here. <laughs> uh, but, that, you know, so he talked about car innovation going from the stock car to the, the transition to the race car. But then you took that from the stock team to the transition to the pit crew. You know, the Wood Brothers kind of, I would say, invented the pit stop. But then you took the pit stop and the pit crew and took it to a group of people. that well, We had a UPS guy on the team. We had all of these outside team members. What was the vision to find gains by taking guys outside of a race team? I think the
3: Wood Brothers definitely laid the, the groundwork of how important the pit stop was, how much you could gain or lose in the pits. But when we first w- went there, I realized that the same guys that were working on the car all day long the guys that were pitting it. I mean, I remember going to pit practice and watching a guy go over the wall in cowboy boots smoking cigarettes. And I right. thought, well, we maybe could find a way to do that a little bit better. And I thought, there's no way I can ask these guys to work on the car as much as I was working you guys in the shop and pit practice, too. So we thought, if we brought guys in and just trained them to do pit stops and we looked for athletes, and that's why Andy Papathona, yep. who's still at Hendrick Motorsports doing the pit crew stuff, went out and hunted athletes and people that wanted to, could do it and could train to do that. And I think it, it really really gave us a good advantage back then, but it's the normal now. So you're
2: the one to run that price up on everything, right?
3: I didn't run the price <laughs> up because they didn't get much on our team, they got
2: a pit pass and a sandwich or two and uh, you know some some yeah. shirts and stuff. Uh, yeah, but in my, in my day, if they went on crutches and they could stand, there was in the pit crew, you know what I mean? And, but,
4: uh, well, I was fortunate what... enough to get a tour level cross a few months back yeah. and, and you showed me how the shop kind of expanded, you know, you would add a yeah. wing and add a wing and add a wing and then you talk about how you had a chassis dyno and all of these different tools does it ever amaze you when you look back now what all these teams have for technology to think where it all started decades ago
2: yeah but you know sometimes I wonder how we done it then sometimes I wonder why we done it you know what I mean I guess I still wonder that but you know towing the car to the racetrack on the ground with tow cables and of course you've done that with you modified and stuff and uh, and then of course driving the car to California I keep bringing that up but, but to me, it's, it's big, you know what I mean? And, and what it comes to now, I tell, them, I tell them it ain't always been this easy. And uh, I can just about prove it. But, I, you know, we didn't have to fuss about a window seat on an airplane or nothing like that because we didn't know about an airplane, right. really.
4: Right. Well, th- we go to Darlington. I always think of that picture of Richard's big flip, which was then the front stretch. Now it's the back stretch arms out the window. That was 70. That was pre-window nets. Yeah. And, and then that probably
2: wind. brought the window net on. Okay. yeah.
4: I was going to say, because then you guys from the stories I've heard kind of created the concept of, well, which seems simple now, but let's put a net up to keep the driver inside the car if he gets tumbling.
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was part of it. But, you know, going back to that story, we had two Superbirds down there. We had three race cars, two Superbirds, one for Pete and one for Richard, and a roadrunner for the short tracks. Well, Richard didn't qualify very good in the Superbird. So we had a practice after qualifying. He went out and tore it all to pieces. We had to go home and get the roadrunner. He tore it up and Peter just tore his nut before Richard wrecked. So we went home with nothing (laughs) from darling to nothing. (laughs) And Richard hurt. (laughs) So it was kind of a gloomy time.
4: Well, you talking about two or three cars. The best rule that NASCAR ever made was two cars at a test. Because I remember going to Indy one year with four, maybe five. There was a lot we of cars had, at that had, Indy we test. We had a
3: bunch of cars at that Indy test. <laughs> but, but, but I, I remember wrecking three uh, at the racetrack one weekend, too. But we had, that was just one driver.
4: Okay. <laughs> one driver. But then, you know, how about communication? We talk about safety and car innovation. But communication, you were talking earlier about, you know, I'm from the era of radio communication. You study it. You go through it. Certain words, keywords. Now they have code words. Radio was always there, really, in your era. But you were before the radio. It was, what, hand on the roof, hand on the door to just... Tell you what big the drivers blackboard. doing. Big blackboard.
2: Big, big white chalk. I mean, and uh, no pit road speed Talladega. You could come off the corner wide open. I don't know where you wanted to pit. There's, there's gonna be running fast no matter where he is at, and you're over the wall pitting. You know.
4: It always amazes me when I go to the garage area now that I'm not a crew chief. You know, how quick it moves. Only a couple years are moved, and it's the nuances, things that you and I would recognize, but it, just how fast the innovation moves. I remember you and I, we used to have those conversations that we were going to be the first car off the truck, the first car through inspection. You know, the race began oh, Friday yeah. morning, and that, that's something that changed over time. Now that's just the given in the garage area. I mean, the level of competition doesn't matter what era or what technology. I always feel the NASCAR garage is the top level of competition
3: without a doubt. And we did that back then because that, a lot of that was mental, really just psych our competition out, but it, it was t- to build your guys' confidence too because I wanted I wanted you to know we could be the first car out of the truck. We could be the first car through inspection. We could be the first car in practice. It wasn't about winning just on Sunday. Like, it was setting that, that mode to, to get you guys confident enough that, that nobody was going to beat you. Nobody right. was going to beat you at anything.
4: Right, and we didn't need timing and scoring because you could go to... Martinsville, you would time this guy or Darlington, you would time this guy. You didn't need a lot of cars back then, but Marty, the competition level is as deep as it's ever been. But hanging out with these two in the hall of honor with all of these great cars brings back a lot of memories and you learn a lot about all of things that created NASCAR. Are you guys ready to pit a car at Talladega with no pit road speed? No, but I want to know, you know, Rich or Kyle always <laughs> talked about, they talked him into being the guy that just held the stop, the signboard to stop him. That's not, the. That, I want to know how you, was that like short straw? How do you get that job? <laughs>
2: Well you you better be fleet of your feet, I'll tell you that, (laughs) because a lot and they had drum brakes. Think about that. You'd never race with drum brakes, (laughs) had you? You don't even know what drum brakes are.
4: No, no, I'm not a drum brake guy. How about that, Marty? You get that job. Jump out, don't pair road speed and stop the car with a board.
1: Fun stuff, guys. Hey, don't forget if you want to submit a question to our member, a member of our panel, use the hashtag askalegend.
4: NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year.
1: Welcome back to NASCAR America live from the Hall of Fame here in Charlotte. Of course, we're all continuing to monitor the ongoing situation in Houston and the surrounding areas affected by Hurricane Harvey. And of course, some of NASCAR sponsors are helping out as well with the relief effort, Anheuser-Busch is sending more than 155,000 cans of drinking water for those affected by the storms. FedEx has committed $1 million in cash and transportation support to help out. And Lowe's has pledged half a million dollars to the effort, plus Lowe's employees are headed to the affected areas to lend out a helping hand. You can help Harvey victims as well. Donate online at AmericanRedCross.org or text Harvey to 90999 to give $10. Of course, here at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Texas Terry Labani is a member of the Hall of Fame. He's praying for his home state of Texas, as we all are. More coming here on NASCAR America. Welcome back to NASCAR America live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. The 24 car on Glory Road here at the
3: Hall of Fame. Ray, what year was that? You think? That's a uh, luminous. So that would have been '93, '94. Not sure. That may be Brooker. That may be the very first car that we won. Uh, we, very first car we won a race with. I know they restored it. I wonder if Jeff
1: would have that for 10, a picture for least. a picture like this. This is our throwback picture. How about that, boys? I don't uh, think Boyer
4: dressed up. I think that's just him leaving a dirt track. Left
1: like, to right. So that's Ryan Blaney, Clint Boyer, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, and uh, also Kyle Larson in there. So, wow. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, by the way, on the throwback weekend, look at Ryan Blaney. He is rocking the stash. First awesome. the mullet, now the stash. Look at that going.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are days I'm glad I can't grow a mustache on those weekends. <laughs> i love it Aren't he you,
1: you? He gets into all of this. it. He does. That's the best part. Aren't you already excited for the weekend when you see something like that? It's got the mustache Well, it's throwback
4: every weekend for him. Mustache. I mean, he won't even tell you his hat supplier. He all his hat game is strong. His yeah. hat game is. Yeah. Well, strong. evidently Sinhouse is now you know
1: working in on his hat game. You know, <laughs> so we can, we got to nix that right there. So hey, we asked you for questions on Twitter at Ask a Legend. Here are your questions. We will start with the first question. If either of you two could pick a throwback paint scheme this weekend, who would you pick? What driver would it be? And what year would you throw back to if you were driving a car?
3: Oh, man, I, I, it's not a fancy paint scheme, but I like that 69 Torino Talladega, number 98, the one that Leroy Yarborough right. drove. I just always love that car, that, that paint scheme. All right. Dale, if you could pick a
2: throwback paint scheme, what would you go you back know, to? You uh, I guess the... The white and the burgundy top the Wood Brothers had, we've seen that a lot. <laughs> I am in, I'm impressed that you picked a Wood Brothers car. I did not see that coming. Well, it, it wasn't. Uh, we're a lot better friends than we used to be, but I, uh, Lord, I, okay. I respect them boys, and I respect Leonard with the greatest admiration on what he's done. All
1: right, so the next one is, what was your
2: best rule stretch,
1: I use quotes, that got past officials that you now can admit on national television, Ray?
3: I think we did that in uh, that uh, refuse-to-lose doc, but uh, we we, um, one time modified a bumper, and when we got there, the way they (laughs) measured it, they actually had us add to it again. So it would have been the rear bumper, 97 Daytona 500. Okay, and that Mm. got you the win? Well, that might not have been the only thing that got us (laughs) the win. Jeff turning Earnhardt over helped a little bit.
1: Well, I was (laughs) going to leave that part out. Dale, what was the best rule stretch you got by with?
2: Lord, I ain't going to go there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't there's know. a statute of limitations. You are, right?
2: You're good. I don't know. We worked on that. We run that 70, 73, 74 70 Dodge body for a long time. We, we we know quite a bit about that body. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you won 190-some races
5: and eight championships, and there's got to be more stories than that. Yeah, but who's going to tell them? <laughs>
1: Not last Lifetime. As you mentioned earlier, Steve. That's All right. right. So with today's technology, would you have been more successful, do you think, in today's day and age with the technology available to you today?
3: I'd have been less successful because I, I hate really? being in front of the computer and I'm the slowest typer in the world. The race would have been over by the time I had everything punched in my
2: simulation. <laughs> it would have been done. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. You couldn't? No. So I, you... I listened to the driver and if we changed something and it was worse, we went back the other way. And I couldn't, I don't even know how to turn, turn a computer on. Ray
5: and I got into a little discussion about the Superbird. What The things that, I just cringe in thinking of the things that he would do with <laughs> a wing and all kinds of stuff. I know what he could do with a spoiler. They're still afraid everything. of you, Ray. They're still afraid no, of you. Just, no, no. just imagining, not not thinking in today's world, but back then, as to what you could have done with that. And I know y'all probably did
2: plenty. We, we had that Superbird for one year. And then they didn't outlaw it. They just made a rule where the motor wouldn't pull it, a small Uh motor. Mm. We probably only got a third out of that car what it was capable of doing because we didn't have the technology to do it. But-
3: and there weren't many templates.
2: It, yes. Yeah, there were not. And mm-hmm. I told them if they put it on there, it's going to embarrass both of us. <laughs> All right,
1: final one. If you guys could change one thing about your careers, what would it be? I'd have put another gallon of gas in the
3: Charlotte Winston 97, <laughs> <laughs> bringing a bad memory I remember Steve. that. One. Yeah, one yeah. gallon of gas, one man. I, I that's you know that that is the only regret that I have that. Uh, that night, that was on me. That was, you know, when you win, you win as a team, or when you win, the driver wins. But when you lose, the crew chief, this is his fault. Well, that night, it was my fault, right? <laughs> All right, what would be the one thing you would change?
2: Well, if we're going to talk strictly about racing, there's two different times. Richard was leading a 500-lap race, mm-hmm. blowed an engine. Coasted by and got the white flag and couldn't come back and get the checkered. we have done that twice, one time at Dover and one time at Bristol.
1: Steve, wow. you always say you don't remember the ones you win. You always remember <laughs> the yep. ones you lost, right? That's
4: it, and I have learned well because don't ask me about rules either. I took the oath. I don't remember anything. <laughs> uh, I, I want to
1: <laughs> thank these guys, Dale Immen and Ray Everham, for being our special guests today. Don't forget, Darlington coverage begins Friday at noon. We'll see you there for Throwback Weekend. Can't wait.
0: This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings.